Hi there, and welcome to another episode of Dee's Diary. Today we enter Chapter 2 of the Childhood Series, so go ahead and get comfortable so that we may begin. Everybody's got a story, one that has molded them into who they are. So here's my story, ups and downs, good and bad. Take from it whatever lessons you choose, and if it doesn't pertain, just leave it. Come listening as I share my diary, cause this is Dee's Diary, Dee's Diary, Dee's Diary. Entry 2. Dear Diary, After my parents came back from the hospital, things were really hard. The war was heating up, rebel soldiers were getting closer to the city after having crossed the borders. Food shortage was a serious issue and having a newborn baby and a one-year-old, my parents had to come up with a plan to try to get food and other resources needed. During this time, we were staying at my grandfather's house and there were a lot of people living in the house, so being low on food and necessary items for everyday living was not an option. With that in mind, My dad decided to head out and try to make connections. What was supposed to be a day trip ended up taking my dad weeks because the worst part of the war was right around the corner. Being that my old lady had just given birth and having to care for a newborn, my dad took my older sister with him into town, expecting to return the same day, but ended up getting stranded as rebel soldiers were taking over the city. Being that I stayed with my old lady during this time, I will continue this chapter based on her side of the story during my interview with her. During that point of time, there weren't cell phones or an easy way to stay in touch with others. So when my dad and sister were somewhat missing for a whole week, everyone started to get worried, especially my old lady. She told my granddad she had to leave and head to town to try to find my dad and sister. Mind you, she was completely unaware of the state of the country at this time, outside the neighborhood or better yet, outside of the house. My granddad was very much against the idea of her leaving the house in such a condition, having recently given birth. They each share their points of view on the matter and the conversation basically concluded with her telling my granddad that she is too worried about Having not seen my dad and sister in days to simply sit around and wait. So she tied me, African style, on her back and left the house. Taxis weren't available during the wartime, with everyone fleeing for their life on foot. With me wrapped on her back, she walked all the way to town to go to one of my dad's friend's office to see if perhaps he had heard from my dad or knew of his whereabouts. This friend of my dad was in the armed forces, working for the president. The same president who the rebels were after as part of their coup. When she got to his office, not too long after, word got out that the rebels 
had captured the president. With that type of news, the country went into utter chaos, and me and my old lady were now about to be unable to find my dad and sister, and we were all about to be separated for a long period of time. Because the president had been captured, the rebels were now going after all individuals associated with the government, including individuals in the military, especially high-ranking officials, which my dad's friend happened to be. Being aware of what would come next, my dad's friend took my old lady and me to one of his family's house in order for him to go into hiding. We were all safe in that house for a few days until someone in the neighborhood saw my dad's friend one day and after remembering he was in the military, went to one of the rebel leaders and told them that a high-ranking military leader was living in the house across the street. So one night, as my old lady and everyone was asleep in the house, a truck rolled up to the front of the house, and as its high beam burst through the windows, they heard loud shouting and rounds being shot into the air. Awakened by the shots being fired, they jumped out of bed and tried to find somewhere safe in the house to hide. The rebels continued shouting, we heard a high-ranking military soldier is living in this house and he needs to come out right now as they continue to ring shots in the air. Being that no one obeyed their requests, the rebels began to get frustrated and started making threats, saying, If you don't come out now, we will light up this house with rounds and come inside and get you ourselves. Because my dad's friend didn't want to put anyone in the house at risk in the case that the rebels weren't bluffing, he stood up and made his way to the front of the house, heart beating, forehead sweating, completely unaware of what would become of him as soon as he opened that door. He exited the door with his hands in the air and made his way to the front lawn. As he took his final step on the lawn, the soldiers opened fire on the ground around him. I'm almost certain he might have peed his pants that day, but I cannot confirm such a theory. Upon hearing the shots, his family members, including my old lady, ran out the house to see what had happened. Well, they also ran out because everyone who was still in the house was commanded to come outside. Seeing him still standing in one piece, they fell to the floor to beg the soldiers to have mercy on him. They pleaded, please, we ask for mercy on his life. He's our brother. He's our friend. He's all we have during these hard times. Please just... Just give him a chance. Because some of the soldiers wanted to show power, they began shooting in circles around everyone kneeling on the lawn. One of the soldiers, who might have been the leader of that particular group, told him to stop shooting. Mind you, I was still in my old lady's possession during all this madness going on. That leader must have found some level of mercy in his heart because... He told my dad's friend to leave that night and never to return to the house because the other soldiers may come back another night and if they found him there, next time he, the leader, won't be able to tame them. So everyone in the house left. See, my dad's friend knew that he may be recognized and since he, along with other military soldiers, were being targeted, he told my old lady that they would have to separate. He gave her what little he could to assist, and they went their separate ways. 
There she was, with a semi-newborn on her back, no food or shelter, and with no direction. As the war, the fighting was pushing more inland, most people were fleeing toward towns that were further away from where the fighting was taking place. Towns mostly located on the other end of the city across the bridge. Her journey to the other side, across the bridge, was very rough. As people were running and trying to take cover, rockets were landing near them and shots were being fired. As rockets hit the ground, everyone would drop to the ground and start crawling and would have to jump back up and start running. And as they were running, they were praying to not get hit by bullets that seemed to be coming from all directions. Several times as my old lady was running, people near her were hit by bullets and she would just see them drop next to her. But she had to keep running. I can't even imagine the level of trauma and anxiety that experience might have caused all who was involved. Imagine running and hoping rockets won't land near you or praying you don't take the wrong step before a bullet hits you. Process all that while running with a four-week-old baby on your back. By this time, food could not be found anywhere, and because she was not eating, she was unable to produce milk for me to eat as well, so we were both struggling for food. As Liberians were making their way across what would be considered enemy line, the fear of running into rebel soldiers was a serious one. Because if you ran into them, one didn't know what would happen. Would they want to show power and shoot you on the spot? Would they chop off your limbs or would they take advantage of you sexually? Or cause harm to your children? The fears alone that build up in people's mind during such a gruesome war caused many Liberians trauma. So... After running and walking for what seemed like eternity times two, she made it across the bridge where it was somewhat safe because the government soldiers still had control of that side. By this time, we were starving and have nowhere to go. As she continues walking, she happens to bump into someone she knows. The lady asked her where she was headed and if she had a place to stay. I wish my old lady replied, no, I have no food, no shelter. It's just me and my baby. The lady then told my old lady to come along and she offered us food and shelter for a short period of time, which was about a day or two. This was wartime, so resources were short for everyone. When our time was up, my old lady began her journey again in trying to find my dad and older sister. She had to cross that same bridge, and that was a journey she had to mentally prepare herself for this time, having just experienced it and know what could possibly happen. Let me pause the story here and add a few points. When it came to the 1990 war in Liberia, that war destroyed that country. It destroyed the economy the way of life, the trust that had been built amongst neighbors, and it took away a level of trust and safety 
that Liberians once had in their country. And to this day, that trust and that level of safety has not returned. When the Bible speaks about the heart of humans having been capable of utter wickedness, that scripture proved true during those years. The level of evil that was displayed from the rebels, child soldiers, even fellow neighbors. The people who experienced that war firsthand, some have never truly recovered. And to this day, a lot of people never want to step a foot back in, into Liberia. They don't want anything to do with it because of what they experienced. Whatever the true reason behind that war, only those involved will ever truly know, and it's on their conscience to live with that. Because one would need to explain how a country who did not have that much wealth in terms of dollars had the ability to get their hands on high-tech military-grade weapons, such as rockets, rocket launchers, AK-47s, grenades, machetes, and other machineries. That war took so many lives and forever left a stamp on the lives of the victims who experienced it firsthand and also others who lost so many family members to it. People lost their husbands, wives, children, parents, grandparents, and friends. That war stole something that no one can give back. War is no joke. And those who have ever experienced it can tell you the anxiety it leaves behind takes a while for one to overcome. The children who were indoctrinated as rebel soldiers to do the bidding of the powers that be have not had a chance to recover from their traumas and sometimes are unable to be an asset to the country, but oftentimes are a liability because no one prepared them for life after the war. Life after the guns have been put down and what they should have expected after the people who started the war in our country got what they went into our country to get and have now left the country to deal with the remnants of the mushroom cloud. This fact remains. We as Liberians must accept that what took place cannot be undone. No matter how many arguments or different points of view we share, we can never deny it occurred. No matter who was responsible and how to change our country forever. The only important question we should ask ourselves now is what now? What is my part in re rebuilding that which has been broken?
what will my contribution to this nation in which God, who is all-knowing, made my history to be intertwined with it? I leave that question to all you who are listening in regards to your own country or city or even state of residence or origin. But to my fellow Liberians, I say, today you are listening to my story, but your story also shares Liberia's similar history. What will our contribution be so that the next generation is not left to pick up all the pieces on their own because we would have taken it upon ourselves to do the heavy lifting so the road has a lot less speed bumps when it's their turn to make a change. May we always remember our greatest accomplishment in life should never be measured by how much we built only for ourselves, but for how we took the time to also assist others in making their life better. Some food for thought. On that note, that's it for today. Be sure to tune in next week as we dive into chapter three. Till next time, God bless.